Mark, we've got a cheat dude. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Mark, we've got a cheat dude. Where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, cheat dude. I see you. We can give you guys silver. Congrats, Flower. Uh, so, by Flower, the way, congrats. two follow-ups here. Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vezina Trophy. Two follow-ups to our uh, 7 o'clock segment on this. First off, we never got to the Robin Leonard tweet, where Robin Leonard said, we knew where it was going. Great season, partner. Congrats on this amazing achievement. Truly deserve it. There was some magic to that sword. A, Alan Walsh? Ha! And... The great it was it was a great tweet. It's a great tweet about the sword that uh, Walsh put out there. But you and I talked about this before the show because Walsh responded very in nice. a way that it's almost like you want to say, "Hey, Walsh, that I don't think that was a positive tweet about you." <laughs> because the way he responds, like, "Oh, we're all in this together." I'm like, I don't think that's what that meant. So I know you're happy that your guy won the Vesna because you've tweeted like a million things in the last hour about it, but. Did you think Robin Leonard was being nice to Alan Walsh? I thought that was He's, strange. He is making a joke and making fun of Alan Walsh. Yes. Because we are less than 12 months removed from Alan Walsh yeah. tweeting a photo of a sword in Marc-Andre Fleury's back with the boar's name on it. On the blade. Like, that that happened, like, what are we, eight months for the since that happened? Yeah. <laughs> and he won the Vesna, and now Alan Walsh is like, yeah, everything's great. No, oh, everything's great. <laughs> Who represents Robin Leonard? Not Alan Walsh. Okay, but what I'm saying is maybe he's looking for new representation, and Alan Walsh is like, that's a great joke, buddy. Would you like to be my client? <laughs> I don't think he would be. He got he got the contract he wanted. Craig Oster is Robin Leonard's agent. I, Means nothing to me either. Nothing. But no, Craig no Oster, to answer the question for you, hey, got him. Like you said, agent. he got him five for 25, so... Craig Oster did his job. Oh, Craig Oster also represents Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, Evander Kane, Matthew Kachuk, Matt Dumba. Craig Oster is okay. better. Yeah, so yeah, Craig Oster's not only better than Alan Walsh, he knows what he's doing in terms of those contracts. So <laughs> Craig Oster's doing fine for himself. Oh, and Shea Theodore. Does oh, my he represent God. All oh, of the man. Knights? <laughs> Craig Oster, an assistant coach. Yeah, he maybe he can work on the power play. Yeah, Craig Oster. Maybe you know something about the power play. It's impressive. I I just thought it was. I thought it was a really good tweet by Leonard. And then I saw Alan Walsh and like, I know you're happy and you're celebrating, but you didn't get that tweet because he wasn't like <laughs> being a buddy with you. Uh, one other follow up to Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, this tweeted at me from John Nissan, and I'm a little disappointed I didn't come up with this take. But he said. Why is no one talking about putting an asterisk next to the Vezina this year? Marc-Andre Fleury played half of a shortened season and played possibly the four worst teams in the NHL the entire season. Asterisk? Oh. (laughs) Jared, come on. You got a whole soundboard over there just ready for this. There we go. I don't don't know where you stand on these things. He won it in the year. I don't really about asterisks. I, whatever. You want us to put that out there, put that out there. I, I don't really care. I don't either. And I don't think the shortened season matters too much. I do think he makes a good point, though. When, like, we, we talked about earlier in the show the idea that the Golden Knights would trade Marc Andre Fleury. Right. And when you're trying to look at what his value is and when you're trying to look at, like, okay, you know, he just had his career year. Can he do that again? I do think it's, it's an important point. 
West division this year was terrible. Mm-hmm. The teams yeah. they played were terrible throughout the course of the year. So for Marc-Andre Fleury to have his best season in the year that he probably played the easiest schedule he's ever played, it makes some more sense. And when you're trying to evaluate what's he going to be next year, he's not going to be this good. The toughest team he played had the 18th best record <laughs> <Yes>. in hockey. <laughs> well, I might backtrack on my original comment because given what it's going to be next year, he might even be better. Given what the division's going to look like next year, he might actually but, have a better but season play, next year. They will play other teams, though. That's they true. He's going like, to have to. He's going to have to travel east at yes. one point and play somebody. The, the Pacific's going to suck next yes. year, but they will have to play yes. the teams in the Eastern right. Conference right. every now and then. Ed and I were talking about this off the air. It, it, do you find it strange? No one's talking about how historic this season was for the Golden Knights. They're the first team ever to lose the Western Conference Finals to a team from the East. I actually don't think that's accurate, but. In recent history, it is. All right, fine. Yeah, they've had some weird NHL alignments in the past where random teams have played on each side. But yes, they're the first in a long time. It's historic. Yeah. And the, yeah. the Canadians, and they have won the Western Conference Trophy more recently than the Eastern Conference Trophy. I can't remember the names of them because hockey puts names on all their damn trophies and confuses everybody. But yeah, also don't touch it. Against the law to touch the trophy. How's that working out for Montreal? They didn't touch the trophy. They didn't touch it. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, they touch, didn't it. touch it. The Knights did that first expansion season when um, when uh, England uh, in Winnipeg, England skated over and he he took it. And they there's pictures of them in the locker room, them touching. I don't think they probably thought we're an expansion team. What do we care? We're going to touch it. We're going to touch it. So no Franchise one thought we'd be has been all downhill but since you ne- then. They never touch anything except the Stanley Cup. They ruined it. Um, I do have another um, dumb hot take for you. Um, on Alec Martinez, because he played the entire postseason with a broken foot, does that prove hockey's the hardest or the easiest sport to play? I, doesn't it just prove that Toradol is awesome? It kind of proves that he's tough. Opioids are great. I don't, yeah, I don't, uh... But how many other sports right now could you play with a broken foot and be like, he was one of their five best players? Well... I mean, Trey Young didn't play with a bruise. Right. <laughs> so there's no way he's playing with a broken right. like, foot. <laughs> guys have played with pretty gruesome injuries. Yeah. I think I think Kevin McHale played with a broken foot oh, in the NBA playoffs. Kobe but, played with stuff that's far worse than, like, Trey Young. Right. Yeah, he played with stuff all but the like, time. But, like, right now. Did he, yeah, did he hit free throws without with a torn Achilles? Yeah, with Achilles. a torn Achilles. Yeah. And say what you want, but Big Whit played with a lacerated oh, spleen. Jesus. I mean, a lacerated spleen is kind of tough to play in the NFL. Okay, big difference here. Alec Martinez was good and helped the Golden Knights. Oh, no, no. This was when Big Wit was good in Dallas. He was actually good Uh, with a lacerated spleen. Yeah, if you look over his stats, he he was never really that good. Uh, No, but Alec Smith played with a uh, lacerated spleen. So spleens you can play through. No, because if they explode, then you might Everybody's playing through it, apparently. We got two examples off the top of your two heads. I guess my my point is this. No, but like Chris Sims, the former quarterback for John Gruden, his spleen exploded, and that's why his career is over. Well, and he tried to play with an exploded spleen and ever and could not do it. Yeah, but my 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 question is though, if the sport of hockey lends itself to where you don't actually have to be that skillful at all times, you can kind of just brute force your way through a lot of the game. Uh, yeah, because mostly, wouldn't you say most of those, in, you know, uh, include like fourth line guys? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of guys who, I mean, I got an email, I think two days ago, like some person screaming at me, why was Reeves scratched? Well, because he can't score. 
and they needed depth scoring, and Keegan Colasar might might actually get lucky and score. I mean, you know, that's but but that's specifically what it is, right? I mean, there's just guys who do one thing pretty well, and they don't do a lot of other things well, and they made they're they're in the NHL. Yeah, and so like when you can play an entire postseason with a broken foot and actually be one of the team's better players yes. in the postseason, you kind of just sort of brute forced your way through it. It's not really a sport that always requires a lot of skill because sometimes you score a goal because you deflected it off two of the opponents and it went in. It or off your broken sometimes. foot. Or that too. Um, by the way, if you're Alec Martinez's agent, are you mad that he played in the postseason? The guy's the guy's an unrestricted free agent in his thirties. Like he doesn't have many more contracts left to sign. And like I guess I'm more mad about it. Although a lot of people, after they heard it, said it increased his value because you know hockey's loyalty. Loyalty took one for the team. Tough guy will do anything for that. I don't know how much that comes into. Hey, I want four years for this many million though. You know, I mean that's you get negotiate table. Hey, Alex, Alex, you're you're a great teammate now. This number over here, you're not that good a teammate. I mean, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to rethink this term here. He walks into Seattle and immediately they have veteran leadership. I don't think he can walk, Jared. His foot's broken. He gets rolled into (laughs) Seattle. He did say he was getting rolled around a lot, which actually I I thought was a little humorous in that. Was who was rolling him around in the like the back of the the, the uh, Roy Ryan Reeves got no I was, I was gonna say Alec Martinez I'll, around I, I was gonna go we finally figured out what Mark Stone was doing during the uh, playoffs <laughs> I want to know who's rolling him around that's an important question maybe it's Cody Glass I they feel like that's a, a captain I feel like that's a captain's job yeah Stone Stoner Stone Stone I think you get, I think you get to like. Game three of his pointless streak, and he's rolling the guy around, and he's saying, "I can't do this anymore. Somebody else has got to roll them around. I got actually." The score. guy I absolutely want to roll around is Millsy. Oh God, Darren Millard was he oh. allowed to see the players? Oh, that's right. I don't know what the COVID. Maybe he's not. I'm just listen. All I'm saying is, if I'm the agent of Alec Martinez and you got a broken foot, I'm saying you're not playing in the playoffs. Yeah. What are you doing? Might you... have been the power play coach. <laughs> now, we, now we know where that guy was. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't work on this. I gotta roll Alec down for lunch. Sorry, Pete. Sorry, Pete. I'm rolling Alec around the the, the the city nationally. You want me to work on the power play? I was gonna try to come up with some good ideas, but you know <laughs> they're having Alec me roll Alec around. He was hungry. He needed some food. <laughs> he needed he needed so, a he needed a pizza from up there. You know, I the, loaded him up on the dolly and took him down to the dolly. For pizza. Can you imagine that? Like the what, dolly. What are they rolling him around on? There's a oh yeah, there's an elevator, right? Yeah, there is. There okay. Is. So that guy had Martinez on a dolly because he wanted to go up to the pizza place at City National because there's like a barbecue chicken ready for him, and he's rolling them through. And they're like, shouldn't you be working on the power play? You're like, oh, 13. <laughs> Everyone's down on the ice looking up like, where's the power play, coach? Oh, he's oh. rolling Alec in for some food. Okay. For Alec Martinez, if you were still under contract, then all right, play through it. That's fine. But because he's got to convince a team to sign him now, I guess if you thought the Golden Knights were going to re-sign him, then yeah, look at that. He gutted it out for right. us. Let's re-sign the guy. But it doesn't sound like the Golden well, Knights are going to re-sign him. I know Dave and David reported, or maybe it was Ben reported that uh, as of very recently, the agent said there's been no discussion. Yeah. Well, it was it was back in like I the mean, second round. Yeah, Elliot they Friedman said, reported yeah, that, they, they that there was no, no expectation that he was going to re-sign with the or that the Golden Knights were going to try to re-sign him. I mean. They're up against the cap. He made four right. million last year. Even if he comes back on the same Since deal, thirties. Yeah, I mean, kind of a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. I would if I was his agent, I would have been mad he played. But you know, 
trying to win a Stanley Cup. I get, I get it, but like, I'd be mad. Like they're they're wheeling you around and you're still playing. We got to get a contract, Alec. I had I had him in a wheelchair. You took it to a different level with the dolly. He's, he didn't say he was in a wheelchair. He said he was getting wheeled around. Wait, wait. Do we do we have him like Hannibal Lecter? Like he's yes, he's, he's like propped strapped. Up. He's, he's propped up, strapped in. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know. I don't know how much they wheeled him around, but there's, if there's a VGK logo on that dolly, they're selling it at the Arsenal today, and it's going to be to be one hundred and fifty-seven dollars. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash are going to join the show. But first, we've got tickets to give away to go see Steel Panther. Two tickets, Steel Panther at House of Blues on Saturday, this Saturday, July 3rd. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster, but you can win a pair right now to go see Steel Panther. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 5 at 702-364-1100 to go see Steel Panther. 2-0. And Pham swings, hits this one hard in the air to deep right center. Akiyama going back. He leaps it. Gonna go. Home run for Tommy Pham. Ninth of the season, and he stays hot. A solo shot to start the fourth inning. And a 4-1 Padre lead. Call 702-820-1234 or go online salmonash.com because you deserve what's right. You heard the gentleman on Twitter at Law. Here for you 24-7. Help get the answers after an injury because you deserve what's right. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Great. Hey, before we get into things, we had something before the show. Quick question to both of you because some Padre we thought misspoke last night, but Jared corrected me beforehand. Is there a law in Nevada where if you maybe just go up to someone and you're in an argument and drop like an F-bomb, are they allowed to infer that as some kind of threat and hit me in the face? Because this Padre last night was mad that the Reds or excuse, yeah, the Reds fans were screaming at him, F U F U. And afterwards he says, Well, I'm from Nevada. You do that in Nevada, that's against the law. And right away I'm like, What are you talking about? Like, is that like an inferred threat no matter what you say, and you're allowed to then just respond physically? No. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Um, I think what he means is they're from Nevada, and so we do that kind of thing. But <laughs> um, doesn't mean that you won't get arrested, and that you you know, and and that somebody won't you know sue your a money money over it. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm baffling. Well, he maybe should stick to sports and leave the law to Sam and Ash. He's better at sports than the law. So uh, I mean, I, he hit a home run last night. So. <laughs> I I made the broad generalization that he may have been talking about fighting words. Like that, oh, that that like he made. Constitu- constitutionally, there are fighting words. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, where you incite violence, and that be and that the the relevance there is, you know, constitutionally we have the freedom of speech, and and so, but if you're using fighting words, the government can restrict you and not allow you to make those types of statements. Yeah, and if a guy says has holding a gun and is saying I'm I'm gonna kill you. Yes you can reasonably infer that he's might try to kill you and you can use lethal force now it, it um to stop him but you can't just punch someone in the face because they 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 use they use yeah. four letter words right I mean, that's not that's not that doesn't work D- drunk jimmy so. in left field is not the same as holding a gun on somebody <laughs> right. right yeah you always have to be reasonable whatever is actually happening you can't escalate the scenario or use more violence than it really requires to de-escalate it so that's that's where this does not work out under the law 
right. and the imminency of the threat of a physical threat, right? So if somebody's yelling at you from the stands, um, you know they're not going to get down on the field and hurt you. Um, there's no there's no likelihood that the, that the threat is going to be carried out, and that's one thing that the courts look at. They look at just how likely is it that um, you know that a uh, that that a certain threat will be carried out. So. All right, let's Not talk here. about one of the best stories in sports where in the Tour de France, uh, a lady alongside the road in the Tour de France was holding up a sign. And transition. she caused a huge accident, a huge crash in the Tour de France. And now she is apparently back in Germany, like in hiding. And the Tour de France wants to sue her, but they can't find her. And I am I'm very fascinated on this. Like, what legal measures does the Tour de France have to like go into Germany and try to find this woman? So I've got a news flash for you. Breaking oh, news. Did she get found? They actually, they found oh, her. Oh, sources confirm. Sources of ash confirm. And, uh, yeah, and she was actually found in France. So there oh, was she no didn't boundary. Leave? Yeah, oh. she didn't leave. And and also, let me just. Another thing here is that France and Germany are both part of the EU. They're also both part of something called the Schengen Zone, which is a, a treaty uh, of free travel and, and open borders among um, many European countries. And so extraditions are very easy. Wow. Very easy. A worse so week in France were, yeah. than so, Kylian Mbappe. I mean, he had the worst uh, <laughs> week until this lady got caught. Now, did God. she know there was a ferry to, 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 to England? I mean, just jump on the ferry. <laughs> Jesus. Or, or, I mean, part of it. Yeah, or Bolivia. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, uh, she's facing jail time. Wow. Really? Jail? Why, okay. Why, why is that? Why jail time? Oh, because this is an assault. She literally. I, it, so everybody said so she she put out a sign so that the cameras could see the sign, mm -hmm. which was something to do with saying hi to her grandparents, but it blocks the path right as a whole you know cohort of of cyclists were coming and it just you know they just they hit one hit the sign and it became this giant domino effect of of broken bones and spandex and so um yeah the there's there's such grievous injury here that it is it is assault and it is uh there's a there's a level of criminal negligence and under under french law they're they're charging her is there not a level of negligence on the Tour de France, given that they have a competition and there is no boundary or security to stop fans from being that close to their actual event? Great point. So I'm not a huge cycling aficionado. I don't follow this this uh, race regularly, annually, I guess. Um, if there's an instance of this happening previously, then absolutely. Or any other instance after the fact. Now, if some other fan or spectator creates a similar injury where they get in the way and the cyclists tumble and get hurt, absolutely. Then it's on the race organizers and not just the individual. And from a perspective of the injured party, you always want to be, you want to obtain a recovery. You want to be compensated. And the likelihood of getting compensated from this individual spectator is very low, but getting compensated from the organization behind the Tour de France, now that's a different story. So if you're actually injured, if you're a cyclist in this, um, that's, the, that's who I would look to sue. I liked how Ashley said Tour de France. Yeah. Not oh. Tour de France. I like exactly. it. Yeah, I don't know. Very, very exotic awesome. over there. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're listening to Fleury answer questions in French. <laughs> Congrats to him, by the way, right? Yeah, until yeah, Kelly gets yeah, traded. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, you guys celebrate. 
He's still on the nights until he's yeah. not. Hey, <laughs> they have their own radio station. Yes. It's right across the yes. hall. I'm staring at it right now. Uh, all right, we, I want to ask you this, Stain, with the uh, sports scene. This, when it happened, obviously, you know, it's huge news, but it's kind of gone away in news till now. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, the former uh, Angels uh, pitcher, his parents of uh, the family have filed two lawsuits against the club and two former employees claiming negligence over his drug, drug-related death two years ago. Um so a few things here. We remember when it happened and Tyler Skaggs dying. Uh, two years, is that the deadline? Is this why we haven't heard anything? So you can wait up until this point? Is that is that every case for every state, or is it just a state-by-state basis in terms of how long this family could have waited to bring action? So it, it is a state-by-state basis. It's also what's the nature of the lawsuit? Like, is it a personal injury called a tort claim, or mm-hmm. is it a claim in contract law? or law and equity, all of those things would play into it. Also in California, if it's a government entity that you're suing, that changes the timelines also. So, but in California, it is two years to sue a general private entity for personal injury. So, but I like that she filed it in California because that's something you understand is that California is the courts tend to be a little bit more plaintiff friendly. Also in California, this is filed in Orange County. That's where the team is based. There's going to be a lot of sympathy for the player. And, you know, you've got this bad actor inside the organization. On the other hand, it could it could backfire. People won't want to pursue a suit against the organization. But so aren't they the Los Angeles Angels? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're, um, they're OC's team. Yeah, no, I know. Well, but <laughs> the interesting thing is the, the family, the parents, they filed a lawsuit in Texas because um, every state has unique laws on who gets to actually bring a wrongful death lawsuit and in california it's the spouse and so that's why the spouse's case pursued in orange county and then in texas you've got the parents doing it but i anticipate the parents lawsuit in texas getting dismissed do you think you should prevent that the family should get something here guys what do you think probably here's here's my question like are the angels to blame, or is it just the what one or two employees that were that helped give Tyler Skaggs the drugs that he ended up overdosing? Like that's the part. Like, I, is it the angels' fault that their employees did this? So, if for example, a, a noted celebrity dog goes into the uh, studios over at ESPN Radio, and a particular <laughs> host no, uh, negligently Boy, hired never by this said down. studio. Uh, wax the dog over the head and for the second time, <laughs> and the studio is on notice. Of- uh, <laughs> I'm a walking tort. I'm case. not saying any of this has ever happened, mind you. I'm just. Uh, Who? Uh, where's this celebrity dog? Have we met him? <laughs> <laughs> well played, Jared. Uh, but <laughs> Tyler, you're absolutely right. That's what the whole lawsuit's going to face is going to hinge on. The Angels are going to say it's an employee that acted outside of the scope of his employment. We had no notice of his bad behavior. Et cetera, et cetera. The family is going to say, you knew he was the employee was a drug addict. You knew he was giving drugs to players, and yet you did nothing to protect players from this, and therefore you failed to supervise your employees. So, what's the definition of the organization? Knowing like which people in the organization would have to know for it to ride? Because obviously, somebody like I'm sure a teammate knew this was happening, but like. How many people in the organization I, have to know for it to be considered the organization new? Yeah, and I, I would tell you, I'd be comfortable with just an, a, a direct supervisor. Mm-hmm. The, the immediate, the, whoever this guy reported to. Um, so no the manager. How, 
I don't know. I, okay. Probably not directly. I bet you there's another layer in there. Um, well, whoever it was, the communications guy that gave him. So whoever yes, he directed. Okay. To, All right. So okay. That okay. might be. The, it might be the GM. But yeah. If at that the manager point. of the team was aware that this guy who had access to the players and was pushing drugs on them, then absolutely, he's in a position of responsibility and management, and he has an, a duty to the team and the players. So I would say, if the manager knew, even if he's not the direct report or supervisor of this communications guy, um, is he still would put the um, the team on the hook. Is there any? It's, oh, go yeah, ahead. no Sorry. different any other company, right? It's like any other business, you know. If, and that's why it's so important to have good management. I mean, look at the Houston Astros. Remember who everyone was pointing to: manager, owner, and like operations. But it was really the players and the whoever was banging the trash cans. Asterisk. Is there? Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Is there I, any? I appreciate that. <laughs> Is there any argument to be made, though, even if you didn't know, you, if a manager didn't know, it's still their job to oversee their, like, staff? So even yeah, if you didn't the, know, it's still, like, you should be aware, like, you should have known. Is yeah, that is, under the can, law, it's either they knew or they should have known by just doing basic interviews with players and and basic base minimum standards of, like, oversight. They should have known. Absolutely. Man, that's a lot of people involved in that. It's a lot of responsibility running a baseball team. Well, you get paid Mm -hmm. well for it. Follow them on Twitter at Sam and Ash Law because you deserve the right. They're there 24-7. Best personal injury attorneys Best in town. Get there now. Best transitions on the press box. There's nothing like it. Don't listen to them about dogs and certainly not about ESPN Studios. Nothing happens in here. At Sam and Ash Law on Twitter. Thank you, guys. Say hi to Clay. Thanks, guys. Uh, will do. Love you guys. Rocky you guys. know you love him. Man. Yeah. Well, well. Who? I don't know about that. Thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Oh, Rocky. Poor Still Rocky. Still getting a hard time about the Ed, dog. You're never going to let it down. No. You hit him in the head with a microphone. I hit my own head in the fu- every morning <laughs> with this microphone. This microphone has no, I, no stability. Jared can tell you I hit my own head every morning. Should I be suing myself? Yeah, from anything I've learned, I that mean, just means actually, you should have yeah, known. No, that means you should, you should have asked them, can I sue the studio? The microphone yeah, keeps Sam and Ash, me in the head. Forget about the dog, but will you represent me in, stu- in suing the studio? <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're going to get into Bischoff's briefs and why there should be a parade in Las Vegas for a hockey team. Call Stam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Bischoff's briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's briefs. There should be a parade in Las Vegas for a hockey team. I am channeling my inner Steve Sisolak and trying to plan a parade for a team that did not win the Stanley Cup. But the Tampa Bay Lightning should absolutely come to Las Vegas and celebrate the Vegas Golden Knights for helping them win two Stanley Cups. This season, the Golden Knights had the second best record in the NHL. They knocked out a good Minnesota team in the first round, and then they took care of the Colorado Avalanche. The team had the best record in the NHL, the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. They took out two quality opponents in the first two rounds, and then they lost to Montreal in the semifinals, meaning 
that the Tampa Bay Lightning get to play the team that had the 18th best record in the NHL for the Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending champs, the team that is over the salary cap with their playoff roster is getting to play a team in the Stanley Cup final that had a losing record in the first or in the regular season. This is the eighth playoff series that Tampa Bay has played in the last two years. Only two of them have been against a team with a losing record. Last year, they played a team with a losing record in the first round. Now they're doing it in the Stanley Cup final. This year, Tampa Bay, their first two series, they took out two of the top five teams in the league by record in their first two series. And now they get to play the team with the 18th best record in the Stanley Cup final. And guess what? The Golden Knights did the same thing for them last year. Tampa Bay last year took out the team with the best overall record in Boston in the second round. And then when they got to the Stanley Cup final, instead of facing a Golden Knights team that got the one seed in the West, they got to play Dallas. Dallas is better than Montreal was this year, but it was still just the 10th best record in the NHL. We could have had back-to-back Vegas-Tampa Stanley Cup finals. We could have had back-to-back two of the best teams in hockey in the Stanley Cup final, but the Golden Knights lost to Dallas, and then they lost to Montreal and basically handed over two free Stanley Cups to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They should have a parade to thank the Golden Knights. Golden Knights are givers. Yes. To Tampa Bay for some reason. John Cooper, these guys don't want us. These guys don't want us. Look, they keep losing. <laughs> I'll ask you this. We talked about this after the Islanders 8-0 lost to uh, Tampa Bay. When you're watching the other night, and I you know, look, I get it's one game, Knights being a 4-1, but that 5-1 game the other night was not the 4-1 Knights win. It, 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 like, I'm watching the game, oh. like, they can't do anything here they can't even get into their offense so i'm keep thinking and i know why the golden knights kept saying it because they beat them but i'm really starting to change my mind these last few weeks on who the best team was when they're healthy <laughs> that's the other thing about tampa bay well they finished here well they also didn't have a guy named kutcher off the entire season yes. not so it's like well this is like well look at how you know the records like stop with the records when they're completely healthy you watch that 5-1 the other night i'm like i was at the 4-1 win by the knights that's a different 5-1 win, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, but I'm like, that team beat them in a way that the 4-1 win for the Golden Knights, that was not the same way. I just, I mean, it's just, and may, I don't know what the stats would prove out. It's just how it looked. There were, like, Yeah, there were Canadian players that literally looked like they forgot how to skate. Yeah, it was just like, the appearance of it was like, this isn't close. I think close a guy fell on his butt. In any manner right now, in yeah. terms of how... They can't even enter the zone. It was weird. Like, I I should know better because we watched the Golden Knights beat Montreal 4-1 to in the first game. Yeah. And then Montreal win that series. We watched the Golden Knights lose to Colorado 7-1. to And then end up winning that series. Oh, they were down 2 nothing. It right. came back and won four straight. I should know better, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to sweep Montreal. Like, they're going to sweep this, and it's going to look so bad for the Golden Knights that they lost to that Canadiens team, that they had so much trouble with that Canadiens team. And if Tampa Bay beats them in four or five, and if they have multiple games in the series where they win by three four, plus one, goals, five, one. like, that's like you have to sit back. Like, when we talk about this offseason and assessing where the Golden Knights are. If you lose to Montreal and they get swept by Tampa Bay, are you even in the same conversation as the Tampa Bay Lightning? No. Like you're not not when they're fully held. No, yeah. not when they have their you're whole team. You're not in the same conversation no. as that team. 
And so where are you as a Stanley Cup contender if there's another team that is that much better than you? Because like we can sit back and say, okay, they're in the same conversation as Colorado. For sure. They beat them, obviously. They finished with the same record in the regular season. Throw in, you know, a Boston or something like that. Or if you consider Toronto any good, even though they can't win in the playoffs. Like they're in the same conversation as a lot of these teams that had some of the best records in hockey. But if Tampa Bay sweeps Montreal or like even wins in five, but like three or four of the wins are like the other nights, like that wasn't even close. Right. Are you look, are you really saying the Golden Knights are in the same conversation as Tampa Bay? I don't think you can. And that, that should help shape the off season for the Golden Knights. That should be okay. If, if, if Montreal wins the Stanley cup and you're Vegas, you're like, okay. I mean, we were close. We right, lost right. the team. That don't have to do that cup. much. Yeah. But if, if Tampa wins in four or five, you're looking around saying, how do we win the Stanley Cup? We got to get a hell of a lot better because we couldn't even beat that Montreal team and they got crushed by Tampa. So I think there's there's a not that you should really take any other two teams playing as the biggest indicator of what your team is no. or what your team should do. I think you are watching this series. And if Tampa Bay crushes it, you're looking at the offseason and saying, we've got to get a lot better. Like there's got to be some maybe significant changes, maybe not just one or two around the edges. Hey, we moved a goalie and brought in, you know, another defenseman to replace Alec Martinez. It might be okay. We might need to blow up something that we think is really good. Okay. Get Eichel's phone number. Get Jack. Eichel get Jack phone. Phone. Get, and, get him on the phone. And you know, do you, do you blow up the misfit line or something like that? Do you try to move on from that's my, somebody that's good? I'm really interested in, uh, I think Riley Smith has one more year. I think Marshall and Carlson are a little more than that. Are, Carl, yeah. Well, Carlson just signed a big extension, so he's he's more than that. That's the line I'm interested in next year. Like, if one would be moved or if they'll break that lineup. I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying for four years now, uh, and they've been to the playoffs every year, and they've been pretty good. Like, when does it become an option that you should do something with that line? Or should it even be an option at this point? I, I think it is. I mean, I it, think it, you have to look at everything. You're not, you don't blow it up for the sake of blowing it up. Right, but right. You if, you know, Jack Eichel as an example, if you can get Jack Eichel and it means you have to move on from Riley Smith. Oh, you move on. You probably do it yeah. at this point. And you find, I mean, Alex Tuck is technically the on-roster replacement for if you if you moved on from Riley Smith. But to me, like Riley Smith, who has one more year left on his deal at $5 million, and then Max Pacioretty is probably the other name you look at because he has two years left at $7 million. A, he's older. He's 32. He's the pretty much the oldest of their main forwards. And B, if you cleared Max Pacioretty's $7 million contract, that's a lot of money you can spend somewhere else. Like you talk about Jack Eichel, he makes $10 million. If Pacioretty was gone or whatever or off the team, you don't actually have to do a lot of maneuvering to make right. Jack Eichel fit at that point. So you're not blowing it up for the sake of blowing it up, but those are the two names as far as forwards go that I would look at and say, okay, if you have to move one of them to fit in a Jack Eichel or another big name like that, those are the two I'd look at and saying, okay, these are the ones you do. Patch Reddy's tough because he's been the leading scorer on this team yeah. and they've lost the last two seasons because they can't score. And you can probably argue they might need some more pure goal scorers as opposed to all these guys are good two-way players right. that are just, Good scores, but not great not scores. Great so scores. moving on, Patrick might be tough given the way they've lost, but I think he is a little bit more expendable given his contract and age than a Mark Stone, a William Carlson, or even a Jonathan Marcheseau. Did you get the feeling the other night watching five one it was different? Yeah, I was like, this is this isn't the same. It did. Now again, I should know better because I watched Colorado seven one over right, Vegas right, and thought right, that series was right. over. I thought I watched Vegas beat Montreal four one and thought that series is over. So. 
I should have learned by now, but no, I absolutely think I Tampa mean, Bay is rolling through this series. Eight thirty our time tonight. You and I will be very upset for saying this because uh, Vasilevsky is going to say, "Well, I knew he either went five hole <laughs> or high <laughs> on the pre scout, and I thought he was going five hole, so that's why I closed it up. So I didn't know he was going to roof me. So didn't Caulfield score every single goal high in the series against the Golden Knights? <laughs> yes. Like every single one, even his one timer from uh, on the I, I don't know if it was in the power play. Uh, to flurry at T-Mobile Arena was up high. I don't think he scored but one on the five. I, it's like, what what pre-scout said this guy goes five-hole ever? Well, well, the one Robin Leonard <laughs> yes, saved, exactly. he went five-hole. Like, so Robin Leonard says the pre-scout is he goes five-hole or high. Or high. And they just, neither him or Flurry decided to try to stop the high shot the yes. entire series. They just like, kept yeah. closing their pads. He's going five-hole. Yeah, let him not shoot high. Time. Oh, he scored again. Well, we knew they're, it. they're used to practicing against the Golden Knights who can't <laughs> elevate the puck. So... <laughs> That's they true. Never get, they never get to practice and try to stop but something high. It is weird because Vasilevsky makes that save the other night again where they throw out the blocker. And I I, I, I pump the brakes on what incredible saves are when they kind of slide across and throw out the block. I don't know. It, it's more just, I think, instinct and reactions. Like, I'm going to hope. But I don't know who it was from Montreal. I started screaming, elevate the puck. It's like it's like they're these great saves, but like no one, I guess, are skilled enough can elevate the puck because they just shoot it right into the block. I'm yeah. like, come on. I'm like, we're just, can anyone elevate this puck other than Cole Caulfield? Nope. He's the only one. He's the, the only, only one, one in the league who doesn't elevate the puck. He's Nick an elevation specialist. <laughs> yeah. Not even Nick Suzuki can do it. It's only Cole Caulfield. Oh. He's the only one. It's ridiculous. All right. Coming up next. What do you guys want to do next? You want to find out where I was the next two days? We can do that next. Hi, this is Mike. A word about Major League Baseball. And I don't know why this hasn't been talked about. I haven't heard anyone mention this, and I know they must have. When you start examining pitchers inside and out, almost literally, what are you doing? You're delaying the game by even more minutes than the complainers have already deemed necessary. What is the one criticism against Major League Baseball? It's that it lasts too long. The millennials are leaving it in droves because it's insufferably boring after three and hour, hours and a half or whatever. How is examining every pitcher inside, outside, all around going to shorten the game? I don't get it. Thanks. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. That was Mike on our voicemail line. You can leave us a voicemail, 702-720-4678. I would say one thing on the shortening or lengthening of the game. It doesn't actually lengthen it because they do it during the TV timeout. They do it in between innings. There is no... It, it oh, they walk off the yeah. mound and those guys are waiting for him. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. It, it happens during the already scheduled TV timeout. So it doesn't lengthen it unless, of course, like in the Mariners case with Hector Santiago... If you actually get caught, then that's going to slow down the game because right. they eject the guy and they've got to confiscate the glove and the manager comes out to argue. But if they don't catch anything, it's not going to delay the game. I don't think this should have anything to do with it, uh, but obviously they're Dodger homers. So Oral Hershiser last night got mad because Bueller has this incredible game. He's walking off to a standing ovation in the seventh because Kelly came in the eighth. And he says, you should not do that to that guy after the game. They should be an umpire in the dugout. And if you want to check them now, I, we always, I did say like from the very beginning of that way before that, like, I don't know why they're not in the dugout. Like, I don't know why they're doing out in front of everybody. I, I, are they too well, lazy to walk? I mean, I don't know. It's the home plate umpire or the crew or third chief. Base. It's just the crew, crew chief, chief that comes West. in and checks it. Yeah. So it's whatever umpire is the crew chief just get meets a, the player. Get Angel Hernandez out there. Yeah. You know? He was there last night. He was, 
Oh, boy. He was on... No, yeah, he did the game the night before, so he did third base last night. Oh, man. That no. would have been too good. So, wait, Hershiser was mad that they were, like, ruining his Well, moment? what happened was he has this great game. He comes off uh, to a standing ovation, but when he stopped on the third baseline, the entire Dodger crowd boos. Because and he says that's not right to the guy because they're booing so much and they're booing obviously because these guys have stopped him to check him. I think it's completely brilliant. It should that it should have nothing to do with it. I just always thought like when they do these things, no matter who the pitcher is, like like stopping him on the third baseline, I'm like they can't do that. Like in the dugout, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but it does look weird every time they're coming off and they're doing it in front of everyone. Yeah, I'm not too bothered I mean, by it. I mean, I don't. The biggest thing, if you want to speed up the game, have guys throw pitches faster yes like that's that's all it is just literally like no you don't get to stand there and shake off no like whatever just every five seconds throw a pitch as soon as you catch it get set we're going that's it instead of hold on oh like that god the shake-offs and the and the asking for time just just elongates it like so much yeah it's brutal it's brutal i'm a millennial though i like baseball yeah, me too. I love baseball. I, I just, I do think there are some, like, literally, like, I think there was a situation last night where I think Bueller shook off, like, 10 straight signs. Get and, a better catcher. Who's back I mean, there? Will Smith? Oh, he's solid. And then, and then Will Smith was getting, I think, frustrated with him because he kept saying, like, <laughs> all right, let's redo it. You know, you touch the helmet to redo it. And it's like, what do you want here, bro? I mean, I put down nine different pitches. Which one do we go with? I mean, if you're the catcher, sometimes you got to, like, what what are we doing here? Just put the glove up. Say throw whatever you yeah, want. Exactly, I'll catch exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, just give him like the one. Just literally give him the, the like. Just put put down a one and go. Just throw it dead center. Yes, I exactly. don't care at this point. I don't. I mean, when he said that, I'm like, nobody should care how the guy who walks off the mound cares. Um, only one guy's got caught, right? And did they? By the way, is was that an automatic ten, or did they have to send the glove? It's an to, auto ten. He can he, he can appeal it. He's appealing it, but it's okay. an auto ten. There is no. So like, they don't wait for things no, to be sent to like the, check it out. If the umpire ejects them and says this is a sticky substance, auto ten. Uh, now they they must confiscate the glove. They do. They did you see the video? They put in a trash bag. <laughs> Well, what if do what you, if the stuff got rubbed God, off in the transit right, or something? Right. That's a little. Weird. I don't know if we have enough time for this, but who was the guy who played for uh, Cleveland in the '90s that everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he corks his bat," and they like took his bat one time during a game, and apparently, like the backup first baseman broke into the 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 umpire's lounge to get it to steal it. And switch it, and he didn't realize, like, he switched it with his own bat, and he didn't realize both of them had their names <laughs> inscribed on their bats. And so the umpires basically walked in, saw a broken ceiling tile, because he came in through the ceiling, a bunch of footprints, and the wrong bat. And they're like, yeah, we, you obviously... If you're in the major leagues and don't know your bats on the name, you shouldn't be in the major leagues. Yeah, that's true. There's not one bat in the major leagues that doesn't have the guy's name on it. Wasn't there... Didn't somebody do a study that corking your bat actually hurts you? Oh yeah, no the myth. Well, not a study, but the MythBusters like basically oh. tried. Oh, they tried to. They tried to make it where they were like, "All right, right. we're going to cork all these bats," and they couldn't. It it's just basically it wrecks the bat's integrity. Yeah. You're, all you're going to do is break the bat. Yeah. So cork. Mm-hmm. So when Sammy Sosa had a cork bat, he was really just leveling the playing field.
He was like, I'm on steroids. I'll cork my I mean, back. I was, I mean, I was just going to say, I don't know if the cork back was the was, biggest thing he was doing. <laughs> yeah, no, he was so roided up one time. I think it was his pregame quotes meal that he had each day. He, he was on so many roids that he one time sneezed, threw out his back, and we had to go on the IL for sneezing. A little tight there, Sammy? Um, Muscles a little tight? By the way, we don't talk enough on this show, and we have 30 seconds left, so we're not going to talk enough about it right now. <laughs> Shohei Otani oh, is insane. The most incredible yeah, baseball yeah. player I've ever seen. He's amazing. Oh. He's amazing. The I'm, guy leads the majors in home runs, and his ERA is under three. Yeah, he's amazing. What? It, and the Angels suck. So, he's the MV, <laughs> so is he? He's the MVP if they if they finish like. Oh, last I don't or care last. where they finish. If this guy's ERA is under three and he's top like three in home runs, that's a no brainer.